You're listening to the Silicon Valley Podcast. On this week's episode of the Silicon Valley Podcast, we sit down with Gavin Reardon, who is a founder, investor, and entrepreneur specialist. Gavin provided financial leadership to a fintech company that grew exponentially before getting acquired. Gavin understands the nuances and challenges that face entrepreneurs and how the right investment can unlock and accelerate growth. On today's show, we talk about what are some of the biggest surprises for the startup founders when they arrive in Silicon Valley from Africa? What is the current VC landscape in South Africa? What is the background of many of the investors in Africa? What areas of tech are African companies excelling at? And what is the biggest misconceptions about the African startup ecosystem? This and much more on this week's episode of the Silicon Valley Podcast. So let's dive right in. Enjoy. Welcome to the Silicon Valley Podcast with your host, Sean Flynn, who interviews famous entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, and leaders in tech. Learn their secrets and see tomorrow's world today. All right, Gavin, thank you for being on this week's episode of the Silicon Valley Podcast. Now, before we start, I want to thank Paul Kelms, who made the introduction. Now, for our audience out there, Paul was one of the earlier people on the Silicon Valley podcast. On his episode, we talked about venture capitalism. We talked about cross-border investing. We talked a lot about patents. So it was an amazing episode. Please refer back to it, Paul Kelms. So with that, if it wasn't for him, today's episode wouldn't happen. So I got to thank him. And now, Gavin, can you tell our audience a little bit about your career, a little bit about your background, who you are? Give us everything we need before we dive into the tough questions. Brilliant. Thank you, Sean. It's great to be here today. My background uh, comes from a CPA uh, in, my, in my early part of the career. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to get into was on the investing side. Before I got there, I started getting involved in some of the strategy and organization design side of the business. And it was in 2016, I started investing. And uh, really, it's been one of the most fascinating parts. The reason I got investing is I actually had my own startup myself that I wanted to kind of get going. And I realized that I could could have extend that beyond just raising money for myself, but for other businesses too. And that was the early stages. I'd never actually brought that startup to life. I actually started raising funds and started investing in businesses. So that was back in 2016. Now, Gavin, question there. I mean, for our audience, they're probably listening going, wait a second, he doesn't sound like he's from California. Where were you helping these companies? Where was this? So I, I, I'm from South Africa, born in South Africa. I'm currently living there at the moment now, uh, looking to move across um, early part of next year. And so, yeah, South African and, uh, and loving being in the Bay Area. I've been over here n- multiple times, really kind of looking to every single time deepen, my, deepen the network. And it's one of the things I really enjoyed being here in the Bay Area. There's nothing quite like waking up in the mornings, getting out of your hotel. It's kind of really being in the, in the buzz of things in Silicon Valley. So question right there. Our audience, most of them are based here in Silicon Valley. We're probably, I would guess, I've never been to South Africa. Tell us about the startup ecosystem that's there. It's very small, the startup ecosystem. It's been growing over a period of time. We've got some great talent on from a startup ecosystem point of view, some great universities, some best-in-class universities. They're great talent coming through. What happens is that as you progress beyond that stage, there's very uh, there's not a lot of investment dollars to kind of get behind and back some investment. So there's been a growing venture ecosystem, but not nearly as what, uh, as, as what it can be to kind of catapult the whole system forward. There's a lot of capital flow coming in. It's been massive growth over the last two, three years, really kind of at the infancy stages of it. But from a talent point of view, great talent. There's, there's some great incubators in South Africa. And we've got some great corporates there as well, doing some amazing things, not just in South Africa, but at a, operating at a global footprint. You know, the likes of BMW, 
that is operating their autonomous vehicles actually out of Johannesburg, just outside Johannesburg. There's some great tech talent down in Cape Town as well. So there's a busting ecosystem and there's capital that's required to kind of move that all forward. So this ecosystem, you mentioned it's small, but it sounds like it's pretty robust. It sounds like it's actually possibly a lot bigger than you're, you sounded maybe as a little modest there saying it's small, but with that, each step of a company's life cycle from pre-seed, seed, A, B, are there at least some resources that are there for each of those stages? Or is there a time where the company goes, wait a second, we don't have these resources here. We need to go outside of Johannesburg. We need to go outside the country. Yes. So resources from a either partnership, either capital, either maybe even employment. Is there enough there that you could take a company from zero to one? Or is it only from zero to 0.5, zero to 0.6, if you know that scale? So from a talent point of view, there's great talent that exists there. And, and what we have is a lot of talent actually leaving South Africa to go and then compete at you know, more uh, advanced economies. So a talent is certainly there. And part of the challenge is that having capital to come and support and, and keep businesses there from a growth perspective in the country and in the region. But massive talent, talent pools are definitely there. That's not an issue. One of the things that I've seen being very important is just the, the global mindset as, as one of the things that I've noticed being in the Bay Area to being in South Africa is the mindset to kind of really compete beyond just South Africa and some of the neighboring countries, but to really kind of take it global. That's interesting, the mindset. We've had people that have come on the show in the past that have talked about you know, the biggest issue where I am, Mike, the country I'm at is everyone here just thinks of the island. Or you know has an island mindset. They never think global. They never think outside those borders. The the entrepreneurs there are the new entrepreneurs in the startup ecosystem. Are they from day one thinking kind of a global mindset, or are they thinking just okay, one country and then you know maybe a second or third later on? How are they thinking about from day one? That's one of the things that you have to train the entrepreneurs to start to think. And that's part of the beauty, the beauty of venture and tech and the ability to scale globally. But it's something you have to really kind of train and teach these guys to start thinking bigger. Oftentimes, uh, you know, it's the mindset of thinking big, which lacks. And that's why you kind of you know, don't leave the island type of, type of view. That's not where your market necessarily exists. And as you point guys in the right direction, suddenly you can see, you can see the light bulb come on for some of them, which is great. So these delegations that you're taking from from South Africa to Silicon Valley, kind of what's the goal for those delegations? What do you do on those delegations? Like, why? Perfect. So one of the things that we identified very early on is connecting into the ecosystem and seeing how advanced things were in the US in Silicon Valley compared to you know some of the other markets. And when we started looking at co-investors, we saw how big a difference that was. And we thought, well, actually, we want to start to connect into the ecosystem. When I came out in 20, uh, 2018, I came out with the view of saying, I want to bring startups across because they need to understand how to operate in a gl- with a global mindset and to learn some of the principles of Silicon Valley. Because there's certain principles that are fundamentally important to, to scale and to grow a venture business, to you know, uh, an early stage business. And so I brought startups across with the, with the idea of learning from mentors, learning, uh, connecting with fellow founders, connecting with angel investors. We've connected them with lawyers. We've connected them with mentors, angels along route. They came over really to not seek investment, 
than so much as to gain an understanding of how to operate and how to change their mindset on some of these principles. And so one of the things that we did is they came over for like a, an immersive program there. They were being coached. They had one-on-one meetings with mentors and angels. They had group meetings with other founders and uh, they got to really kind of taste and feel a bit of what Silicon Valley is about because some of those principles have got to be understood, especially when looking to scale businesses. So that was the reason we came out. They got to meet some potential investors. They got to meet with some potential clients in some instances and quite a changing experience for them. Were there any, I almost want to say kind of kind of shocks or like aha moments or anything like that? And if there was, what would normally cause it? What would they see? Who would they talk to? Or, I mean, if you, if there's many examples, share, share more than one, but I'm just kind of curious, a group from there coming here, were they like, oh yeah, okay, this is kind of nice. Or was it, wow, this is a hundred percent different. This is not what we expected at all. When it comes to uh, some of those aha moments, you know, we brought people out, we brought guys out and girls really to, to look at how do, they, how do they view their business and what is their offering and their value proposition. You know, these are very refining things that take, take time and take coaching and, and perspectives to do. I remember sitting, you know, these guys would uh, have a full day's activity. They would come back late afternoon, early evenings, have evening functions, come back at you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I, could, I could hear them talking with you know, fellow attendees uh, you know, that, are, that, that were staying in the house t- together, kind of thinking about their value proposition. And with this conversation they had earlier today, what they learned and how that impacts them and really kind of seeing actually maybe those customers that I thought were going to be customers aren't really where I should be targeting. Maybe I should be thinking about my business differently. Maybe I should be pricing differently. So these were some sort of a lot of aha moments that came about just sort of reflecting on these times together. Together. So yeah, there's plenty of instances like that where guys sort of reviewed their own positions and began to shift and, and think bigger. It's interesting. It kind of sounds like the, these conversations are just based on new questions being asked to them. Would, would you say that's true? Would you, are there people in South Africa, in these startups communities that here in Silicon Valley, you go to a pitch event, people are drilling down, tell me about your traction, tell me this, tell me that, tell me that. Are there the people there to ask the questions? There certainly are people there and there really is a good ecosystem that does exist there, especially in the early stage. Uh, there is a lot of incubators, a lot of training that's happening at that early stage. And there's a lot of talent that sits there. It's probably what comes next beyond that and the funding beyond those stages. That's that's really important. But again, that thinking thinking more broadly, thinking bigger, you know, not thinking localized only or, and I've got to make this product work in my, in my home country before I can begin to scale. In some instances, you know, South Africa is very different to the rest of Africa. And in some instances, your product may do better in other neighboring countries than in South Africa, just because the ecosystem is very different. You know, there's, it's quite an advanced stage from some of the businesses and how they are able to work there. You know, there's a, there's a very strong corporate ecosystem that exists in South Africa. Tell us about that, that corporate. I mean, that's something we're not too familiar with. So tell us about that. Well, one of the things that I like to think about, well, not think about, one of the things that was kind of brought to my attention very early on in one of my earlier trips was one of the key differences between Silicon Valley and other ecosystems, because it's not unique to South Africa or Africa, but other ecosystems, is that the nature of horizontal networking versus vertical networking, okay? And the idea that here in the Bay Area, there's a lot of horizontal networking that happens. You look to network with people alongside you and there is partnering and working together. It's very, there's a big openness to work together with other people and there's this give back because you know at some point in time someone else will, like, will provide something and there's, there's, a, there's an opportunity to network with people that's very collaborative. In other ecosystems, it's, it's very much a vertical network. It's either you fit into my network and you're going to help me climb the ladder, so as to speak, or I'm not going to help you. 
So I'm going to network in this space where I can control things and it benefits me versus let's, let's look at the ecosystem and help that. So ecosystems where you have a strong corporate environment, corporates want to own everything, control everything, and as such, don't look to partner as much with other providers in the space. And so that's one of the key things that I've seen. And you know, one of the things I appreciate so much about, about being in the Bay Area. That's interesting. I, mean, I, I have that conversation all the time of how many people will just make an intro to you and just go, oh yeah, I talked to this person or talk to that person, hence Paul. You know, with really not knowing the person too well, just going, yeah, we had a great conversation. I think you'd enjoy talking to this person. And you're like, oh, and that person could be, you know, pretty high up there. And that person high up there will still go, oh, you made the intro? Oh, sure. Okay, I'll take that meeting. Ah, it'll be fun. So <laughs> with, in instance with Paul, we, we've done quite a bit together over the couple of years. And so that wasn't just a one intro uh, story, but I, I sure get it. Uh, you know, I think the, the, the key thing is everyone's very open to taking the first meeting here. It's about then identifying, okay, well, what's next? And, and that's where you want to be careful, obviously, of your network. You want to make sure that you follow up timelessly. It's very different. So you, you have an opportunity very broadly here. And it's really comes down to you know, how, you, how you take advantage of that. Tell us a story about from one of these delegations. Maybe it was a company that had a great meeting. Maybe they met an investor. Maybe just tell us a story to share so we get a really good idea of what happens in these. One of the businesses that came across, they uh, were supplying, uh, well, not supplying, they were integrating some of their software with Google. And uh, they had some, you know, as part of the program, we ac- they actually managed to have a meeting with, with Google, uh, Google Cloud. And there were some conversations around their, their specific product, looking at, uh, at some of those things. And one of the things that actually helped was looking at their pricing before they actually went into those meetings, you know, because pricing is such an interesting thing. Pricing, you set your value at a pricing level. You know, do you do you price yourself at a premium? Do you price yourself from a value point of view? And it really is key to identify that very early on from a pricing point of view, where are you looking to pitch and what value and what product do you sit in in that space? And so one of the things that we helped out them was actually from a pricing perspective and you know, that was that was that was beneficial for them. You know, there were obviously uh, one conversation led to the other, but that was, you know, one clear indication of helping guys figure out their product set which they had, pricing which was exi- in existing, but really around Finding where exactly you're pitching us at. Okay, now let's go the opposite direction. Let's go companies from Silicon Valley possibly enter in Africa or maybe South Africa, then to Africa. Are the, is there opportunity there? And if so, how big of an opportunity is there? There's certainly an opportunity. I think that uh, there is a growing ecosystem on the continent. You know the the advancement of tech on on the African continent is actually very significant and not well understood by many in the Bay Area. I think that there's been some interesting conversations and people have spoken about it, um, but you're gonna, there's really is an opportunity to dive a whole lot deeper into that. I think there's a lot of traffic, obviously, from Africa coming into the Bay Area. When it comes to startups looking to enter into the African continent, I think African continent is going to be huge over the next 10, 15 years. There's, there's guys talking about uh, you know Africa being the next uh, tech superpower into the future. From a tech point of view, when it comes to startups, you really do need to look at how do you partner with guys on the ground, to be honest. And I think the, you know, the accu hires may be important, uh, skill set on the ground. You know, Africa is a big continent. It's not one country. It's a big continent with some great countries there, but there's different nuances that exist in there and it would do well to, to partner with guys on the ground. Okay, partnering with guys on the ground. What suggestion would you have for companies over here to find these people? What countries maybe? I mean, Africa, you said it's a continent, not a country. Which countries in Africa should they look to maybe establish their beachheads? Where should suggestions for for people here. So when we talk about Africa, there's four real main countries that are attracting all the investment dollars at the moment. Nigeria, Egypt, 
Kenya and South Africa is really the, the top four big countries in attracting investment dollars. The populations in both are, are growing for different reasons. You have different markets that sit in there. So yeah, there's some great stuff happening uh, in Rwanda, Tanzania, uh, Ghana as well. So yeah, there, there's there's great activity happening on the ground there. I think one of the things to think about is is obviously the different jurisdictions, and that's something that Africa's got to figure out in terms of the intra trade between African countries and uh, the role that tech plays uh, inside it. There's obviously been some challenges in some of the markets from a fintech point of view, and that's really something to to look at. But you know, Africa is is a, is a big populous nation, and uh, you don't have the issues of legacy infrastructure because there was none, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you don't have the issues of legacy infrastructure. You got advancing infrastructure from a tech point of view, and you've got things that are happening in Africa, which really does leapfrog expectations. And I think that's where people are seeing the opportunity that technology is going to advance very strongly in Africa. With that, I mean, what are the VCs, outside investors, kind of looking at or targeting in Africa right now? Are there certain sectors, or is it just tech in general? What's happening? Fintech is the big one at the moment. You know, it has been for a while, will continue to be. The, uh, you know, uh, payment aggregators has been a big thing from a fintech point of view. Payment gateways, mobile money has been huge. I think what you're going to see as infrastructure continues is that, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll build beyond that. But fintech's always going to be a big thing. You got, you got people coming online. Mobile penetration is big, is growing. Data usage is going to continue to grow. So you got people coming online, wanting to transact, wanting to, you know, do so at, at small ticket sizes. Right, admittedly, on uh, you know online with e-commerce and current banking infrastructure doesn't actually support it. It's very costly to do banking on the continent, and uh, so what you're going to see is you're going to see uh, you know that it continue to expand. There's some interesting stuff happening around energy. Uh, you know, energy infrastructure is a big thing that'll continue. Agritech is becoming a big thing as well, and uh, I think there's, there's when you're looking at from an investing point of view on the African continent, you, you one of the things that's also a bit different in in, in the Bay Area, you can have VC firms that focus only on on one vertical. You know, we invest in fintech, full stop. In Africa, it's much more widened. So you, you, you can invest across a more generalist approach because it's a more wider approach. So you're seeing agri-tech, you're seeing health tech. Health is going to be a big thing. So it's a populous continent. Health is going to continue to be a big thing. With that, you'd mentioned Silicon Valley investors. Yes, they like to niche down. It's, it's oh, I know machine learning. I'm a VC in machine learning. I do ag tech. I do fintech. I do that. It's more kind of they had a company they exited they have a phd in that or whatever but they have that niche that focus these vcs investors in africa well one what's kind of their backgrounds i mean did they have that tech company that exit i guess not because it's so young the ecosystem there's probably not those people with the two or three exits tech in that also fairly new so they might not have that back where are these investors coming from what's their backgrounds most of these investors that come are typically out of the professional investment world, accountants, lawyers that make up a fairly big contingency. And that's scary in itself, right? Jokes aside, but you, you really do need to have a wider domain expertise on some of these things. And I think we're going to see that happen as more and more people enter venture with, with, with an African focus. And as we have more investors, you know, more uh, US investors investing into Africa, that dynamic is going to shift and, and there's going to be more investment coming into this space. So you really do have guys coming really out of the, uh, you know, uh, from the private equity space. You have a lot of guys who are involved in private equity who have uh, made some money themselves 
themselves, wanting to invest themselves and cut smaller check sizes, but they invest with a private equity mentality. And we know that, you know, that's very, very different. Private equity and venture capital, you know, same alternative investment class. And that's about where the similarities end, right? So there's a lot of learning to be had, even from an investor's point of view around venture, you know, venture and investing in that space. And, uh, but I believe we'll get there. What are the biggest surprises then for a Silicon Valley VC when they go to Africa and work with these companies? The biggest thing I think is there are investors, you, you come with your experience and, and with your, your frame of reference when you enter into a market. The frame of reference is very different in Silicon Valley into Africa. The expectations of what's to be delivered, there really needs to be a leveling up of the bar from an Africa point of view to then meet some of the, you know, some of the level of thinking that's required. So there's this bridge that's almost required between investors and and founders around, you know, key metrics, around things we're looking at. And this is where some of the, you know, the YCs, the 500 startups have been very helpful on the continent. A lot of us, you know, a lot of African entrepreneurs have plugged into those, those incubators and they've learned a tremendous amount from that. I think part of it is around the from an investor point of view, making sure that investors go on that similar journey that have capital to deploy and are then are then readying a lot of these startups for other investors to come alongside from a co-investment point of view to then build on that. I think the biggest challenge is when you have local investors on the African continent that put deals together that actually end up precluding other investors coming to table because one, maybe they've taken too much equity. They, they haven't left enough of the, on, on the table for founders to be heavily incentivized for the long-term growth. There's a lot of complications that come along the way uh, in that. Now, do you see that the African VCs and the outside VCs like to play together and pool money together, or do you see them kind of compete? Every African VC is wanting to do a deal with a US Silicon Valley VC because it just it just expands the network. Number one, two, it throws wind behind the you know the sale of the startup sitting there, and we're all on the same team. So I wouldn't see it necessarily as competing. Really, I think what's key is 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 making sure that across the spectrum we are mindful of the principles of early stage investment and we are getting our founders and our early stage businesses ready to facilitate that investment. I think it would be, you know, it's a no-brainer to be working together. Again, it's a horizontal network, right? You got to partner with guys across the ecosystem and this is that's one of the means of doing so. Okay, so now, now say you get the money from Silicon Valley. They got the VC from Africa. You're pulling it together. You're putting it into a, a company there. You're investing. Everyone's super excited. What makes it difficult to succeed in Africa? What makes it difficult to succeed in Africa is there are massive opportunities and a very populous group of people, but there are nuances across different jurisdictions that you need to be mindful of. That's probably the trickiest thing to navigate. And that's why partnering with guys on the ground is actually critical for that purpose. There's also this thing of a lot of entrepreneurs and founders want to scale uh, you know, from South Africa, for example, into the US or into Europe. There's a lot of activity in Europe from a South African point of view. And obviously everyone's wanting to get into the US as well. From a rest of Africa point of view, you know, some of the challenges they're solving, they're solving for challenges on the continent. And so even on that basis there, there's this view that yes, we want to scale globally, but there's also challenges on this continent that we need to solve. And so bridging that gap, even from that perspective is so important. I think there would be, you know, there's some great programs happening, some of the top universities here linking African founders, African startup founders into uh, into the US and from the US into Africa, there's certain exchange programs happening. Those are all great things to foster. I think what would be amazing to help overcome some of these barriers is to see that continue to see, you know, uh, s- s- some MBA programs doing some work on the ground in certain ecosystems in Africa, really looking to do some, some internship programs, if I can call that, of some sort. I think that would be an incredible point of view from an integration aspect, because at the end of the day, early stage, 
you know, running a business at early stage is, is hard work. You need to do it with people you like, enjoy, but people that also challenge you because you need to know that this is not just a comfortable ride. This is a ride that you set out for a purpose. And I think that diversity of thought is actually key and critical. And we would all, all do well to benefit from that. You've mentioned a couple of the big name accelerators here in, in the Valley, Y Combinator and that. Do they have resources there in, in South Africa and Africa for the entrepreneurs to take advantage of? What are those resources? Kind of what's the difference between an accelerator incubator over there and other parts of the world? So there are incubators and accelerators that are partnering with some of the bigger brands in Africa. There are there's certainly resources. I think the guys have done some great stuff from a resourcing point of view. Oftentimes what we've seen with some of these accelerators and incubators is that they then partner with some with some corporates in the country. Right, that comes with certain challenges because then you start playing on the you know on the CVC side of things, and that comes with a different mechanism, different mindset as well. There's some great resources. Guys are doing some great work, and I think uh, we're going to see that continue. Okay, now going back, we talked about startup ecosystem, we talked about money, and we talked about VCs. Now you're also right now currently having a fund. I'm not going to say, but tell me about kind of you know the reason why you're interested in, in helping these companies, these these investments in your thesis. So. I, I, I'm interested in the role that technology plays in advancing business and what it does in literally shifting economies forward. You know, there is so, there, there are opportunities that technology brings that, you know, without, you know, I'm, I'm, cer- I'm certainly not a, um, a socialist by any means. I'm a capitalist. I'm, I'm after the return. But it's amazing how uh, you can be returns focused, but doing good at the same time. And that's not sacrificing returns at all. It's actually just being a bit smart, smarter, shall I say, around how you go about the opportunity and the role that technology plays. So really, the, the, the core purpose for us is around investing in early stage opportunities that have the opportunity to scale globally, that can shift economies forward and really advance some of those things. That's part of the reason why I love deal making. I love the idea of putting deals together. I I love the commercial aspects of that. I love the co-creating side of things. And then to see that come together and play when you start uh, bridging opportunities together for early stage startups in other ecosystems, that's that's what's really exciting. I, I love the deal making side of it and I love the opportunity and the co-creation part. Okay. Speaking of deal making, what's some suggestions for you for, well, one, that startup on the other side, maybe not the other side of the table from you, but these other VCs to get the best deals, what terms should they be aware of and what you know, what should they be thinking about for valuing their company? Now, I know there's like three questions there. So just one at a time. Any advice for for early stage companies when they talk to VCs? Yes, I, I think that, you know, one of the key things is when talking to VCs, you've got to understand the question of traction is going to come up because traction points to product market fit and whether you have something that you can actually get customers with at the end of the day. So, you know, don't approach investors before you're ready. Uh, You're going to waste your time a lot in that process. So traction is key and the ability to know exactly the product that you're selling. Product market fit, you know, there's still so many people throw that idea around very loosely. At the end of the day, who do you have paying for your product? Because that's product market fit, and so it's it's very important, I think, for for early stage founders to to go prepared when seeing investors. The biggest thing in filtering through investors to actually know what their mandate is and finding alignment between investors that's that'll save you a tremendous amount of time. So you know you should research your investors. You should be following them. You should see what their appetite is, what deals they've done, what deals they're looking at. Because if you're close enough to that, or if you can see some of that, you can leverage off that. And what better way than an introduction from one of the portfolio companies of these investors then cold calling. Everyone's going to do it. Cold calling is not going to stop. But the reality is that you can improve your odds significantly by warm introductions and being really, really prepared. 
preparation is key. That's an ability then to show that you can execute on things is fundamentally important. I think when it comes to deal making side of things, you really do need to be mindful and think a bit more long term than just this cap raise, right? And so what team are you going to need to get to this next milestone phase and and show that you are thinking along those lines? Show the investors that you do really intend to exit and yet you have this idea of where they can exit and how they can make money because if investors can't see how they can make money, they're not interested. Investors have investors and we all have to deliver a return at the end of the day. So preparation is key. Make sure that you have some traction and make sure that you can have the right introductions to investors. You have to start somewhere, but start and it's not you know, it doesn't just happen in one phone call. Uh, you have to get up and go every single day and have meeting after meeting and figure out the quickest way you can learn to get to the right people. And it's about having that grit and determination. Okay, then part two, terms. Are there any red flags or terms that founders should know about? Things they should think about when having conversations with their investors or possible investors. Absolutely. You got to think of, you know, liquidation preferences is a key thing, right? Tell us what, what that is. <laughs> So oftentimes what uh, investors may do is they're investing dollars into your business and they want to make sure that there is a commensurate return with that. And then some of the things they do to protect their downside is to make sure that they're in an, in an event when you have a liquidation event, maybe you're, you've sold your business, someone's bought, um, on the investment dollars that they invest, they have a certain liquidation preference. So they have a right to get their money back first before you then get to share in the upside. And one of the standard things is, is a one times liquidation preference. That's pretty standard. When you start pushing one and a half, two times, you really need to start asking questions. What that means is that if someone invested $5 million into your business and you exited for 100, they're going to get their 5 million first and then it's going to be shared 95 according to the share cap table. But if there's a two times preference on that. They're going to get $10 million out first before then everyone else participates. And anything more than one one times liquidation pref, you really need to be asking yourself questions about, is this the person that's with, with me for the long term? If your valuation is too steep that they are insisting on something like that, maybe you should be looking at your valuation because this is some of the times these things are used to kind of mitigate some of these high valuations and the expectations all around. So that's something certainly to watch out for. There's a myriad of other things that you know you need to, you need to be mindful of that comes to the clause, but you really do need to have your I think your lawyer on team and someone that's been involved in VC to really understand some of the nuances of some of those things. But that's the most obvious one. Okay, and then part three valuations. Yes. So the valuation question is, how do you know when I'm making this up right now? No problem. You're pushing too much for a high valuation when you should take a lower one. How do you know you're not being pushed down too much when you should be taking a higher one? Well, I think expectations have really been reset through these last couple, last few months and valuations have been down across the board. Some views, obviously, early stage, you know, there's a long enough runway on that. You know, some investors that are already invested are saying, don't worry, we get dry powder to cover that. And new investors come in and saying, listen, we can see that, uh, you know, there's a depression in the markets. We want to see something of that benefit. It, it really, at, at in current environment, when it comes to raising, the reality is the macroeconomic environment has reset things. And when it comes to raising, you you really do need to look at what what runway do you have left? How much cash you have in the bank? And what? how desperate are you for the raise? In some of these tough times now, with some of the views, you know, don't expect a two and a half time step up uh, on your last valuation round on, on this new cap raise. Sometimes money in the bank's worth more. Just speak to, yeah, you'll have investors to speak to around down rounds. You want to be, be very, very careful of that. No one wants a down round. But the reality is you should have your expectations set around valuation, especially in the current times now. You know, and, and it speaks to traction. What have you done since the last raise to motivate that valuation? And it needs to be supported. But if you've got early stage investors in, let them help you with some of that work. That's why they're partners in your business. All right, Gavin. So we talked a lot of questions about the entrepreneurs that we talked a lot about Africa, 
Silicon Valley. I'm more curious now what you're doing. Can you tell us what, what you're currently doing with one of your two funds? So we're investing in tech. One of the projects we're working on at the moment is really extending that out to considering where tech, where technology intersects in the creative industries, right? So where fashion, film, art, and music intersect with technology and gaming. That's something that we're working on at the moment. And to seeing, you know, there, there's been some fundamental shifts, right, with how decentralized the creative industry has come with some of the technology platforms. And so really you have this creative economy, which has been birthed over this period of time. And by and large, the investment world is, is hasn't very well understood it. You, you've got some likes of some very big private equity funds that have just started to launch, or should I say partners of these funds have started to launch into the entertainment space. But you really have a, a world that operates because it's freelance and gig work and not to recognized more broadly than that, but this creative industry, there's a tremendous amount of work that is going on and it's stimulating the economy in great, great ways. So what we're looking at is where where fashion, film, art, and music intersect with technology and gaming and looking at it from an industry, uh, from an entertainment and sports industry, because how, how the creative often gets worked out is actually in the, in the entertainment uh, space. You have uh, music artists, you have rappers, uh, you have, you know, things in fashion and, and how that, you know, the, what comes with that is the distribution channel is actually so significant. So why are we interested in that is because it's so complementary from a tech point of view. When you're looking at those things through a tech lens and you can see that the consumer market for that is actually so shifted through, through celebrities, through influencers, but the opportunity to really shape consumer market and then position that also then from a tech investing point of view it actually works incredibly well. So that's one of the things that we're working on at the moment. We, we, we're doing a tremendous amount of research, looking at the industry, looking at the markets. And that's something that we're very interested to, to kind of go to market on early, early part of next year. I'm excited for that. We've had people on the show in the past. We've had Ivan, who is the, he's got a web three company. He was the guy that did Assassin's Creed, the, the orchestra in, in Hollywood and that and the Grammys and past guests. So yeah, post the show, I'll make some intros for you. Question for you. If there's anything that you would change in Silicon Valley, what would it be? If there's anything you could change in South Africa, what what would it be? What are your goals also in the next three, five years with everything you're doing? A lot of questions there, but let's see if you can can handle it. Thank you, Sean. So what would I change in Silicon Valley? You know, I think that there is tremendous value in being in the Bay Area. From the way you think about early stage investing to the way you think about early stage businesses, funding, exits, all those things, but you don't need to live here. You don't need to be here all the time. What, what is so interesting is that there's principles of Silicon Valley, which are universal. And oftentimes people disregard the whole thing, but actually there's principles there that are so key. I think one of the things I would change is that investors are so, you know, they want to invest in the Bay Area. And that's something that I think can, that I'd love to see shift and change. Yes, you want to be close to your investments. Yes, you want to have a close handle on things. But, you know, with with how things have changed over the recent terms, a lot can be done differently. And I know there's been a tremendous amount of guys moving out of the Bay Area just to, you know, live in different parts of the world. And I think investment will, I think investment will move into that space. That's one of the things I'd look at from, you know, looking the other way in again, there is a lot of startups think that they have to move here into the Bay area in order to get investment dollars. And I think that's the wrong view to have. Yes, it's very beneficial if you can integrate yourself from understanding some of the principles and learning. This is where the bridging between economies and bridging between ecosystems is so important. But one of the things is that for startups, the best place you can be is close to your customers. 
because that's where you take on the early stage of understanding where you fit in that and how you can scale and grow that. As you go more later stage, yes, customers can be globally, but you need to be where your customers are. And that's probably the key thing that early founders need to know. Okay. And five years from now, what's your goals between now and then? I'm, I, I love the investing space. I, I, I love the venture side of things. I love the deal making. I really want to be able to be investing more into the US. I want to be investing more into emerging markets. I want to expand that uh, into uh, across Africa, into the Latin markets. I think there's some great stuff happening in Latin America. And I think that there's some interesting things in East Asia as well that I'd love to see. So over the next five years, really want to be able to expand some of the things that we're seeing, what we're investing, how we're connecting economies together. And really, it, it's, it's going to be a very interesting time. And I'm so excited about it. Fantastic. And well, one, I want to thank Paul Combs again for the introduction. Gavin, if anyone wants to find out more information about you, what you're working on, what's the best way to go about doing that? Go to our website, kingscapital.com, and you can follow me on LinkedIn and reach out anytime. Fantastic. We're going to have that information in the show notes. And for our audience out there, I'm not the host of the Silicon Valley podcast. I'm an investment banker focused on mergers, acquisition, growth capital. Please reach out to me on LinkedIn, Sean Flynn, or just connect with me on thesiliconvalleypodcast.com where we have all our great episodes. Now with that, Gavin, once again, I want to thank you for your time this week on the Silicon Valley Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Silicon Valley Podcast. To access our resources, visit us at thesiliconvalleypodcast.com and follow our host on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Sean Flynn SV. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decisions, consult a professional.